This morning, our gospel lesson comes from the gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter, verses 13 through 17. Hear now the word of God. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John of the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wonder how many of us, and I'm not going to ask a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us made New Year's resolutions. And I wonder how many of us here on the 12th day of the New Year have managed to keep our resolutions. Every year you see the news stories that you can count on with regularity about how long we typically keep resolutions or how many of us typically make them. By the way, the last news story I read about it said the average American keeps a New Year's resolution for 12 days. So today's the day. If you haven't given up by now. But think about resolutions, uh, New Year's or otherwise. They're basically promises we make to ourselves. They're promises that we make to ourselves, say, I'm going to do this thing or I'm not going to do that thing, whatever it is. But when we break those promises, even those to ourselves, which we invariably do, who are we harming or who is it affecting? But we break them. We, don't, we have difficulty keeping our resolutions for one reason or another. And this morning, I want us to think about promises. Promises. God makes promises to us. In resolutions, we make promises to ourselves. Times of, sometimes we make promises to one another. But oftentimes we break those promises. Sometimes we do it without ill intent. Sometimes it just kind of happens. But human promises are easily broken. We make our promises to ourselves, to one another, even our promises to God. But this morning we're talking about promises of God, promises God makes to us that God never breaks, that are unbreakable. Today is the Sunday of the baptism of the Lord. It's one of those special Sundays on the church's worshiping calendar. It's always the first Sunday after Epiphany, which is today. And it's a day we set aside to remember this event we read about in Scripture and celebrate what it means for us that this happened. Jesus coming to the Jordan to be baptized by his cousin John. Let's review the story so far. Up to this point, Jesus had led a, a normal life in a backwater town called Nazareth. He was the Son of God. He was God made flesh. But for 30 or so years, he'd been living as a normal person. You wouldn't have known anything remarkable about him. Well, I'm sure everybody who knew him actually would have known something was different about him. But what we call the public phase of his ministry had not begun. He was just somebody living in a normal place doing normal things. And around the time Jesus was 30, his cousin, John the Baptist, 
a religious leader in his own right, was involved in a ministry, began a ministry, where he went out into the wilderness, he called people to repent of their sin, and having repented of their sin, to be baptized. Let's talk about that word repentance for a moment. Repentance, literally defined, means turning around. Let's unpack that for a minute. Suppose on the other side of that wall, because it wouldn't be in the sanctuary, so it would be just on the other side of that wall, maybe on the sidewalks. But imagine over there are things that keep me from God. Things that interfere with my relationship with God. Things that tempt me away from doing what's right. All those things are over there. And over here, on this wall, imagine God. God's presence. Now, we all think it's not true, but we have been conditioned to think that all the fun stuff is over on this wall. But that's the stuff that keeps us from being who God calls us to be and finding true fulfillment. Repentance, as I say, is a turning around, and that's what John the Baptist is talking about. So it's easier to look over here than over here. So we're focused this way. But John the Baptist calls for repentance as we are called to repent. And so we literally are called to turn, I guess not literally, spiritually, turn our back on those things that keep us from being oriented toward God. These are the things that destroy life. These are the things that give life. These are the things that keep us from being who God calls us to be. And these are the things that help us live into our relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Literally, a turning a repentance. Imagine, and I'm not saying I've done this, I'm just using myself as an example which will hopefully draw the metaphor out a little bit. But imagine I'm in a relationship which I betrayed a trust of some sort. Maybe my actions or inactions harmed someone. Maybe something I said harmed someone. All that's over here. That ruptured relationship is over here. But I can turn my back on all those things that have wreaked havoc in my life and maybe the people, uh, the lives of the people I love, and I can turn around and repent of those things and orient my life Godward. I use that analogy of ruptured relationship because all of us at times have had a ruptured relationship, the relationship with God. God calls us to relationship. Through the love of Jesus Christ. And even if there are times in our lives that we have focused ourselves on the things of God and turned our back on the things that distract us from God, isn't it real easy to turn back? To look the other way? Friends, we are called to repentance. Just as John was calling the ancients to repentance in these pages of Scripture, we are called to repentance. And repentance is not something we do just once. Repentance is something we have to do daily. We have to daily make a choice to orient ourselves, to turn toward God. To orient our life toward the things that give life, that sustain us, that feed us spiritually. That's what John the Baptist is talking about. That's what he's calling people to when he's calling them to this baptism of water as a sign of that repentance. Now let's be clear in the scripture, this is not a a Christian baptism that John the Baptist is giving. Rather, it's part of a a, a ritual that's in a long line of uh, 
okay, Jewish thought and tradition where the baptism symbolizes a ritual washing, cleansing. Think of the symbolism of water as it cleanses us. So with the backdrop of all this going on, Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be baptized by his cousin John. And he didn't need to repent. Jesus was and is perfect. And but in his baptism, he provides us a model for what new beginnings in Christ can look like. And this is the turning point in Jesus' ministry because this is when he stopped being just a carpenter from Nazareth and began the public phase of his ministry to which the bulk of the Gospels give themselves. This is the phase in Jesus' life where his world-changing ministry took on a new power. It's the linchpin. It's the hinge point for this radical new beginning and new direction in Jesus' life. One that would end in the cross and empty tomb. One that would ultimately offer us the gift of salvation. This this is the transition to that public phase of Jesus' ministry. So he comes to the waters of baptism. Think about some of the symbolism, some of the sort of connotations we assign to water. We think of water in positive ways. It's cleansing. It's refreshing. Maybe you've had those experiences. Have you you ever been working in the yard or or, or dealt with some of that heat that we all, as people who live in this part of the country, just learn is a daily part of life? When you jump in the pool or you splash some water on your face and it cools you down. There was a period in my life where I had a a car that the air conditioner quit working. Actually, I shouldn't say that. The air conditioner worked if the windows were down and I was going at least 45 miles an hour. But it didn't remove the humidity. And I had a job at the time that had me driving around a lot, and so I would just kind of roll the windows down and keep going. Sometimes I'd leave the windows down, hoping somebody would steal it. Nobody ever did. But it was one of those cars that you sort of do the mental... In fact, this is the kind of car that even when the air conditioner worked, if I were going up a steep hill, I'd have to turn that air conditioner off. You know the kind of car I'm talking about. But there were days when I owned that car, when I would come in after a day running around, a day driving around the roads, and I would just be, just just having gone in and out of air-conditioned buildings, air-conditioning outside, air-conditioning outside, you just feel like you've just got layers of stuff just kind of stuck to you, and you go in and you splash some water on your face, or at least I would, and you just kind of feel it melt away and be refreshing. Have you ever had an experience like that? just gone and jumped in a pool where it goes from being 105 degrees in the air to whatever temperature your pool is. It's refreshing. It's life-giving, right? It feels, it, it, it can give you new energy. We have those connotations of water. But we have other feelings of water, too. Water can be a sign of threat or even destruction. Were you like me when you were learning to swim as a young child? Real happy to go to the pool. Loved every moment you were at the pool, but you looked at the deep end with great skepticism. I was fine when I was little, as long as I could keep my feet on the bottom, but the minute I got my head below water, I started to panic. I got over it, by the way. And I learned that swimming in, if you can swim in three feet of water, you can swim in eight feet of water. 
But still, that same thing that was a source, the same place, the pool that we could bring fun and, and excitement could also bring fear until that fear was overcome. The pool was a place of fun as well as a place of threat. And the Bible marries these two meanings of water for us. Think of, for example, of Noah's flood. God created a perfect world that human sin corrupted. The world became so lost and evil that God sent a flood to destroy that evil. He saved the righteous, but he destroyed the evil. So that the water brought salvation to some and it brought destruction to the things that kept people from God. As it destroyed, it also cleansed. It ended life, but it brought life. And I think that potential lies within each of us. That we have within us the capacity to let God put to death and end things that need to be ended. And to see new life in other areas. To have things come to life and spring to life. And God, make no mistake, in Jesus Christ offers us new life. And that thinking is at work in the symbolism we use for baptism. Water is a symbol of all the bad stuff being put to death and cleansed away in something new and gracious and holy being replaced and put in its place. It's a sign of new life in Christ that God offers. In our tradition, United Methodist tradition, we talk about baptism as a means of grace, which means we believe that in baptism, it is one of the two sacraments, the other one being communion. It is one of the unique ways that God gives us His grace. When someone is baptized, we see an outward sign, we see water, we see uh, water being put on somebody. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but but we see the sign of water, but that water is a sign of something spiritual going on inwardly, of that person and what's going on inward that we can't see as the gift and imparting of God's grace. We also believe that, that it doesn't matter how old you were when you were baptized or how much water was used. You could have been two months old. You could have been a hundred years old. You could have had three little drops on the top of your head. Or you might have had some pastor put you under the water and hold you there three times. It doesn't matter. We believe that if you've been baptized in a Christian context in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are baptized. It doesn't matter how much water was used or how old you were. Once one of my blessings I shared in ministry in a former church is I was blessed to baptize a 94-year-old man. And we all celebrated that day. Here was a man that God had brought through these many years before finally he came to the waters of baptism. And we celebrated. But I was mindful even in that moment what God was doing in that man's life was no different than what he did for the two-month-old who baptized a month earlier. God giving his grace and even though God gives us grace after baptism, after we've been washed clean, we still get down in the dirt. We still continue to having repented, focusing the right way to every once in a while get unrepented. 
and we have to constantly reorient our lives. And in the United Methodist Church, we don't rebaptize, we don't repeat baptism because we believe that God never removes His grace. Remember, our promises might fail, but God never takes His promises away from us. And so there's no need to rebaptize in our sort of way of understanding baptism because God has not changed anything. God has still claimed us as His own. God has still given us His grace. Yet, there are times that we want to recommit ourselves, and that's understandable and natural. And while we don't rebaptize, we do offer from time to time the opportunity for someone to remember their baptism, to renew those vows of baptism as an act of repentance, even, as a way of reorienting or, or continuing to orient our lives toward God. And so in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to remember our baptism. And now let me say, you might not remember, remember, you might have been too young. Maybe it's fresh in your memory and you can remember what color waders the pastor had on as you went into the pool. Because I learned that about some pastor immersion churches. Oftentimes the pastor has on waders. Did y'all know that? Like chest waders? Nobody else think that's funny? Okay, I'll keep going. Sometimes you say things you don't put in your notes and you don't know why until you've already said them. <laughs> but we nevertheless have this opportunity to renew our baptism. If we can't remember it, we can remember that it happened. And we can remember that because we were baptized, we have received God's grace. And we can remember that we constantly need to be working toward orienting our lives toward the things of God. And we can remember that we belong to God. And so this morning, I urge you to remember, we have a, a way we're going to do that. You see here the baptismal font. I know some of you may even have been baptized from water that was held in this actual font. And whether you were or not, I think of all the people this water has, this font, the water has held from people who've been baptized. Let it stand in for some other font somewhere for you if you were baptized. And I know I've been talking a lot about baptism. Let me just say, if, if that's something that you want to talk about, it's something you haven't experienced, I would love to talk with you about baptism. About your being baptized. But here in a moment, I'm going to invite you to actually come to this font. And in this font, you'll find rocks, river rocks. Consider these rocks. They've been worn smooth by the water in places, but little imperfections remain. They're still rough places. They're still little nooks and crannies. And despite the continuing imperfections, each of these rocks has somehow, because of the time they spend in the water, the water's impregnated. The water's gotten in there. You could break this rock in half, and the water would even have affected the most inner part of this rock. Let that be a symbol of what baptism does for us. We continue to be imperfect. We have rough places. We have places that may never be smooth this side of glory. Yet, we have been changed by the water. We have been claimed by God. And we are His. And I invite you to remember.